Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was freaking out. I remember in the first six months, some guys like, can, can I give you money? Like, I feel like you're giving us a little, <laughs> I was like, no, man. Like, yeah, I, was, I sent him my bank account. Yeah, yeah. These other people hit us up and go, can we give you money? And I was like, like, in my head, I was like, what? Like, oh, this I is need crazy. money. Yeah, give yeah. me money. Yeah. But it's crazy. I'm like, for someone to think that they got that much value out of it, for me, that's like kicking 10 goals. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all of you good humans out there. Big thanks for tuning back in to another episode of Good Humans Podcast, Thursday guest episode. Today's pretty fun. We've got our first ever two guests at one time, two guys who are very good friends of mine and have had a huge impact. They've actually been really helping me a lot with Good Humans Podcast. They're the owners and operators of the Wellbeing Network, and they are really assisting with the growth and yeah, traction when it comes to Good Humans Podcast. They have their own podcast that is very successful in its own way called Funny Business, and they're making a huge impact in making business a bit more fun and making people realize that life doesn't need to be too serious. We should be able to step out of our comfort zone and really go after different avenues and be willing to try new things. So I think you're all going to get a lot out of this chat. Very big energy and great, great people to learn from as always if you're new to this podcast very warm welcome i'm very pleased to have you over here hopefully you enjoy the podcast if you do like it make sure you head back and look through the catalog there's some amazing humans every single week we have guest episodes on tuesdays we have the one percent podcast which brings you a light into the amazing thing we call the one percent good club and yeah as always if you're enjoying the podcast share it with your friends tell them all about it it's a good way for us to grow and it's a really nice thing for us knowing that the value from the podcast is yeah getting out into the world so yeah tag us on your instagram post share it on your stories send us a message if you enjoy the podcast i really love reading the feedback leave us a review on apple or spotify i don't know if you can do it on spotify but leave us five stars on spotify nonetheless leave us five stars on apple and yeah, let's jump into this chat with the boys from the Wellbeing Network, the boys from the Funny Business Podcast, Rob Hicks and Locke Bradford. All right, let's jump into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Rob and Locke from the Wellbeing Group, the Funny Business Boys. How you going, legends? Mate, I'm loving the little intro slap with the with the cut. It's like the director's cut thing. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm going good. How are you? I'm great. Nobody's going to hear that cut. That was just a, to get me a little start point on the podcast. But Maybe you have to leave it go. in now. There you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it in. There you go. Perfect. So Rob and Locke, for everyone out there, are two very good friends of mine, two guys who helped me look after this Good Humans podcast. And not that it was a fill-in spot, but my dad pulled out last minute on jumping on Good Humans podcast. We will get him on shortly. He just wasn't ready. And I was like, far out, let's just get you boys on because you've been very instrumental in the growth and the direction of Good Humans podcast. And you guys are doing some amazing stuff on your own merit. So I wanted to get to know and let the listeners get to know your stories a little bit better. So let's start with Rob. Where'd you grow up? What was your upbringing like? And what was the future vision for you when you were going through high school? Fuck. Well, mate, thank you so much for jumping us on and straight to the big question. What did you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> You've been thinking about it for so long. It's just rap that somebody asked him oh, a question. He yeah, loves that, talking about himself. Thank you so much for asking me a question about myself. You know, I, I love the opportunity. Dig, dig, give some value. Make sure As you a kid, dig I, I grew up in um, northwest suburbs of, of Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, as a kid, grew up, my mum, dad's a sparky electrician, mum's a teacher. Uh, working class family, worked hard to get me through private school. I went there and uh, Essendon Grammar, uh, school in, Essendon, in, in Essendon area. And my aspirations and dreams as a kid was always to be play professional sports, whatever sport that, that was. I was. You thought you had a few options I, back then? I did have a few options back then, <laughs> not anymore. Since then, I'm a, I'm a has, has been, never was. But uh, uh, coming out of school, I was lucky enough to get drafted to Richmond Footy Club, um, spent a couple of years 
on their list playing AFL, got to play three games in my first year. Um, was one of those people that when you really, when they talk about the professional sport has a finite ticking time bomb on, on career length. I was one of those people that learned that the hard way. After two years, I got the flick. I had two one-year contracts, got the flick after the second year and had to really figure out what do I want to do with my life? Do I have a keep going down the pathway of trying to make it back in the system and play semi-professional? I, I, I flew to, played in Darwin. I played semi-professionally here. I was going to move to Perth. And I had to make the call to figure out that this wasn't really going to be me. I had to play the chances and I ended up um, sort of pulling the pin on sports and going to uni and I studied a bachelor of business and then I went on to do my master's of international business and went to work into the corporate world, like a corporate pig. I worked at places <laughs> like Telstra and ANZ and NAB and just really, really didn't find any passion, purpose or meaning in a world post sports and um, came along and we'll get into how and Locke and I met, met each other. But the reason we started the Wellbeing Network and what we're doing here today is because coming from a background in sports and wanting to be something or achieve something or have that like greater ambition. It just, I wasn't provided any of that same fulfillment from working in a corporate world and trying to find a new pathway. So that's sort of how we ended up doing what we're doing today, but I guess we'll get into that a bit later. Yeah, absolutely. One, one quick thing about that, because it does come up quite a lot in Good Humans podcast is the idea of losing your identity once you're so set on something, especially as athletes, what was that transition like for you when you had to make that decision? Because I can imagine, obviously, this is somewhat a mental health podcast. How was that mentally trying to realize, you know what, maybe I'm not good enough and I need to take a different direction? What was that stage of your life like? This was, it was pretty challenging, if, I, if I'm honest. I got, the, I got the flick like a week before my 20th birthday. And I reckon for between 20 and, and 23, I, had, um, I was diagnosed with depression. I was on antidepressants. I was doing all sorts of stuff trying to figure out and find what, why am I doing stuff? I, I, I feel like looking back now, if I had a, maybe had a bit more resilience or not, it's not resilience is the right, right word. It was a, it was a, it was a harsh Awareness. thing going through and having it taken away. But for me, it's like, I wish I had have been able to take, pick myself back up a bit sooner. Um, but because I was so wrapped up about the fact that playing semi-professionally here and playing footy here in, in Melbourne, you still get paid pretty well. So for me, like I was still being paid to, to be a, a, a like, semi-professional footballer and making money that way so I still had that the aspiration the dream was still attached to maybe one day I'll go back and I'll go and have another crack and try some stuff and back in 2015 I had a pretty brutal knee injury where I uh, detached my medial ligament from my knee at both ends I did my PCL and my ACL uh, I was in hospital for like seven days which surgery didn't take well I spent the next two years had another surgery after that and for that, that moment for me going back then was a real, you talk about identity crisis. I, I guess I was dealing with the not getting to the levels I was hoping to get to like slowly. And then that moment where the sports and the camaraderie of being around in a sporting environment and being with teams and like, it was completely gone. Like I haven't played sport since that day. You know what I mean? That's now seven years. And I had to go through the purpose of <laughs> who am I as a person, what I stand for, what I want to be. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point. And it, it has been challenging because I look at Richmond and for those who follow the footy, I know up in Sydney and more rugby, but I came in to the Richmond footy club at the same time as all their team that have played in all these premierships. So all the people I'm watching have all this crazy success and win three flags. They're all started the year that it, 12 of them were the ones there the year, my first day. So it's like, it was very difficult for me to align the fact that I'm at home in a knee brace, walking around, having my, what, she wasn't my wife at the time, but after surgery, having help her wipe my ass. No, yeah, he had the little bell. We were living together, and you had the little. I bell. didn't have any. Dinging me whenever he wanted something. Or another Kit Kat. No but it, it was a tricky. It has been tricky, but for me, like that's why we do what we do. It's about helping people. That's why I love what you what you do, Coop, and what you stand for, because it's helping people show that there's more to life and that there's more meaning, and that just because something happens, you've got skills that are transferable, and you can make shit happen. It's just about understanding what's what you're capable of and putting your mind to it. Yeah, I think finding that purpose in more things than reaching a success in a in a in a sports, finding that success in a workplace or anything. When we attach our purpose to our goals, it makes it fucking so hard to reach those purposeful moments in our life. Whereas something I always talk about is attaching our purpose to living by our values, and it's something that I go into so much with my workshops. And it sounds like now, and I know now working with you guys. You're so, per, you're so value driven rather than achievement driven. And it's something that sounds like when you were quite young, it was attached to that as well. And it's so, so common in 
people everywhere. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like I always say maturity is when you stop blaming and same thing. Maturity is when you start living by values and realizing the purpose is so much more than just hitting your achievements. But we can go, we can talk for hours, but we're oh, gonna... it's funny. Cause I like, that's, I'm loving what you're talking about. The reason why wellbeing network wanted to help you with your pod and the good humans pod, our values for the wellbeing network are all about being better, doing good and having fun. For us, mm. it's a, the be, do, have model is really, it's a simple way to live by. But we thought, us, we thought we made it up. I think, did I come up with it? No, I come up with it. And then we're going, be, do, have. And then we're like, that's a model. I was like, I thought that just come up in my head. And for us, it's, it's pretty simple. We don't do stuff now unless it aligns in with our values. If it's being better, it's all about like continuous improvement and that growth mindset. Um, doing good is about like doing good work or doing good by others or making sure that what you're putting out in the world you're happy with. And the last one is have fun. Life's too short to be unhappy. So if you're, there, you're not having enough fun, then there's something wrong. Yeah, it's like a big thing that now I'm pushing with the good human factory is think good, do good, feel good. And the purpose of the good human factory is to make people feel good. And not just like when I say feel good, I mean like in your heart, feel good to your purpose. And if we're thinking good thoughts and have self-awareness around our thoughts and realize that we can be in control of our thoughts through things like mindfulness and gratitude, if we're doing good for others through things like empathy and kindness, then we're going to feel good rather than all the bullshit we kind of get sold with marketing and media nowadays. But Anyway, let's go over to Locke. Tell us about your oh. upbringing, Locke. Where'd you grow up? What was I'll give your family you like, that's, that's a tough act to follow. I'll give you the tip. It's, uh, for me, it's a little bit different, but I think that's why it, it works. Um, for me, I went to school at, uh, in Erinbank, like high school, whatever, that sort of disbanded. I left in year 10 and, and joined Cricket Victoria, which was like the second year of the CETA program, um, where the first year I was taught was a bloke by Ben Waterman, who now is the GM of the Resilience Project, funnily enough, and... I think Hugh Van Collenberg was a teacher there back in the day too. So coming from where I, where I grew up in, in Jakarta, Broadmeadows, and not sort of being exposed to any of that sort of stuff, making that leap, I think for me was just crazy. Like I applied for this thing, didn't even tell my parents and the next morning got a call and they were like, oh, you're leaving school at year 10 and you're doing this <laughs> thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll just give it a crack, whatever. It sounds cool. It sounded like I was going to be a semi-pro cricketer. I had the uniform <laughs> on. So I was like, rap, sign a few autographs, all that stuff. But I think that's where I found my tribe, my people, you know, like, um, you know, growing up where I did, I have friends and stuff, but never really connected real deeply. And, that, and that's with our mutual friends through Hamish and Jamie and a few other people and sort of found my groove there. And, and that allowed me to be myself in a school setting where I could just rock up, talk the way I want. I didn't have to sort of act a certain way. And it, for me, it was just like liberating. Uh, from then, got into uni, that would have been the only way I'd get into uni is through a course like that or something like that. So I was actually enrolled in two double degrees when I first started at Vic uni. So I was doing eight subjects a week or whatever. And I was like, for the first month and I was like, far out, this is pretty hard. You know, and <laughs> everyone else is going home and having all like living the American pie sort of lifestyle. And I'm like, why am I here for like nine hours every day? <laughs> anyway, I went into quit uni or whatever. And they said, mate, you're actually enrolled in two double degrees. And that's crazy. But that's just me not being switched on, whatever. But uni wasn't for me. Uh, I ended up uh, just working odd jobs, like uh, working retail and stuff like that. Then I went over to, Canada, I never snowboarded or seen snow in my life, but applied for a job online. Uh, turned out my friend, or my, one of my best friends, Yaz, she applied to and we didn't even tell each other. So we sort of just said, stuff it, we'll go over there. She loves the snow. Never been there before, rocked up. Was like, holy crap, this is scary. Like, this is crazy. I've never experienced snowboarding or skiing or anything like that. And the mountain that we're at was Kicking Horse, which is like, they had Red Bull events and shit there in Golden, British Columbia. And uh, it was pretty dangerous. So my first shift was on the double black run and I was, uh, I was on the top sort of uh, lifty area. So I had to just like fall down and learn my way how to do that. But I feel like that sort of set me up with the mindset of just taking big leaps of faith and just, if it feels good, just do it. And I don't know, that sort of sealed into the way I am just through that sort of thing. Come back from that and was managing bars and pubs. I like the people aspect and all that thing. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Me and him were having chats. We were living together at that time. And I think I'm just one of them typical people who were just lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was good at. Um, thought I had so many different interests. I was like, Fire out. like I just tried a bunch of things and found out what I didn't like. But since we teamed up and, and started this thing, I, I got into tech recruitment. Actually, I just quit the cafe job once because I couldn't do the nights anymore. And it was just crazy. I didn't have a backup plan. I was like, shit, living at home, like things will just work out kind of thing. Literally the next day you tagged me in a post on LinkedIn um, at, a, at a tech recruitment company went in on my 28th birthday starting again in just in the, in that sort of space and just said yes and just delved into that found out what that was like like 
it was awesome because I got to sort of look uh, under the hood around tech. Like I'm not really a technical person. So for me to sort of get a glimpse and understand that world and how, how to build products and how design works and how people work and where people want to work and all careers and all that good stuff. So that gave me a good insight into that and had lots of cool support there. And we started the funny business podcast when the pandemic sort of started and that was just pretty much for leads. And I've, I found out lots of people don't like recruiters because they're just pumping messages on LinkedIn all day. And I was like, I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy and no one really, no one really, everyone was just like brushing me off. So I was like, sometimes you're a shit bloke. Yeah. Well, you know, 90% of the time I'm pretty shit, but uh, on that 10%, I'm all right. But I, I just wanted a way to make people know that I was all right. You know, I wasn't like a, a, a wanker, you know? So we started the podcast and at grown legs, like we just had this little idea and we're like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And all of a sudden things just started happening. And yeah, I suppose we'll get into how that all started next or whatever, but that's sort of my journey. And, uh, yeah. Well, one, one thing I, I, I love about Locke, which is when we first started hanging out, is that he helped me get out of my comfort zone. And I think that's something massively that I look back over my mental health journey and things that have gone on in my life. And having someone like Locke, I'm very like regimented. I like to know what I like. I'm Structure. Like, my goal, this is what I'm doing. This is my next step. Whereas Locke can be a bit of a dreamer. He can just make calls. He can do things. But for me, that our complementary skill sets and, and to see someone who was happy at always being himself. The first time I, one of the first times I ever met Locke, he was like in this fucking leopard pants with like a big trench coat and like some big old green, was, green grandpa socks and shit. And I'm like, right now. I'm like, what the fuck are you wearing? You know? <laughs> but everyone take the piss out, but that's what he did. And I, for me, that's why I think that it's really important to show me about like being comfortable in yourself and who you are and in your own skin. And it's one of the best, I think it's one of the best qualities that people can take away from Locke. I think I'm about to cry, Coop. That's so I know. Nice. All right. You guys like been dating. That's what I was going to start with. <laughs> From my um, friendship with you two, what I really admire is the friendship that you guys have. You guys always seem to be like bouncing off each other in a really positive light. When did you guys meet and how did that friendship kind of evolve? Uh, well, it's funny because our mutual friends, like I said earlier, um, I went, we, I went to school with, and you grew up um, playing sport with at the local, like through the stars and stuff. Yeah, like, like yeah. footy, I went to primary yeah. school with one of them, but we yeah. sort of, as I went to different school and was pro- like going down the footy pathway in different, different programs, I was just more separated from doing stuff. And I was watching him on TV, actually. The funniest part was I remember sitting in mum and dad's room. I think I was ironing or doing something good oh, like I that. Mean, you went I was ironing. doing some chores or something like that, helping out mum. You know how good I am. <laughs> and I just remember him kicking a goal on the G. And I remember actually watching that and going, oh, I think that's Hamish and Jamie's friend. Like, good on him, you know. And I feel like there's a lot of people you know, you see people from your area go well and you automatically just, I don't know what it is. It's a competition thing where you don't like them and stuff like that. And you just, there's something about them. But for me, it was instantly like, I'm wrapped for him. You know what I mean? And that was like, mm. I don't know, a, a big moment for me. When, yeah. we, when we first started hanging out though, it was like Locke and I clicked pretty quickly and we're both still living at home at that point. And um, after not being friends for very long, we made the call to go and move out together. So we were, we moved out of home together, living together in our first place. It was Top like, and tail and in the one bedroom. It was, this, <laughs> no, it was, it was this scummy ass joint. It was, it was nice. It had it character, like, mate. It had it character. But yeah. uh, we were talking about like, oh, we'll be bachelors and we'll go and live in this place and be the boys den we, and all this sort of stuff. We were watching, we were watching lots of Californication and we both oh, thought, hey, good Californication. Oh, this is going to be the life. Just thinking of the Kings in good Nick, living a good life. And <laughs> within about two seconds, um, Locke ended up, getting yeah. hitched with his partner Tarles, who's still his partner today then i met um em who's now my wife and funnily enough we all end up living together so Locke and Tarles and em and i lived together for the next few years at different houses and so when we talk about what we do is our friendship our friendship and why we're so good i think working together as businesses we know each other inside out back to front like we've mm. not just lived with each other we've been there through like really interesting moments like mm. um Locke was a groomsman at my wedding he's been there around the birth of my child like it's it's weird things that we've, I feel like we've grown up together now. And, and it's cool that we're, I trust him more than anyone that we know. So like doing a business together and they say, don't get involved in business mm. with friends. I think it's like, we're, we're hopefully. Nah, still Andy Lee's quote. That was good. Yeah, he said on our pod, he said, what did no, you say? I'm, I'm just saying, I just think it's like, we, I don't, I don't know what he's actually going to say. But for <laughs> us, like we we're, uh I think it's, it's a nice thing. We're trying to break the mold a bit. Like you can do things differently. You can go and create things and experiment put things out in the world together with some friends stuff because fuck them why not we're like, pretty honest mm. with each other too it's not like we'll fluff around if he's got an idea and i and i don't like it i'll tell him and he's <laughs> the same with me so i think that because we all brutal, brutal honesty because we're all mm. searching for the same thing it's the same goal you know and i know like you wouldn't bring something up if it wasn't you know meant to make things better so i think yeah. having been direct and honest helps 
yeah, I think you guys just are the epitome of like having very similar values and understanding and having very similar visions. And that's why the business is so good. And I love how you touched on breaking the mold because that's where I really love what funny business and the whole brand around the start of the pod was. And then obviously that's turned into the giant that it is now or where it's going. Funny business. Tell us about it. It's a business podcast, but trying to take it a bit lighter. And you guys are both self self-proclaimed LinkedIn influencers. <laughs> uh, I love, I love Rob says he is. He's been flying under the radar. You actually, you lock such, such a LinkedIn influencer. I was almost going to move to Byron to try and get a gig <laughs> on Byron Bay. I was like, is that coming soon I'll or what? I'll tell you one thing that we wouldn't fit well in on that. Byron Bay. Byron Bay. I don't think you'd be doing very good. <laughs> oh, have you guys seen it yet? There's a bunch of good human merch on a I few saw of it the second episode. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a few of my good friends everywhere. You can't get rid of me. But yeah, let's talk to the start of Funny Business because you touched on the idea of LinkedIn being very hard to get leads and something that I have brought up a few times on this podcast and podcasting is such a special thing because it's a great way to get your foot in the door with networking and that's how we met so let's talk about how funny business came about you touched on it briefly but then let's talk about how you guys found me and came up with having me on the podcast early days I reckon we could kick it off with, we actually had a business that we didn't touch on beforehand which was Obi and Co which is the slides company oh that's right that's how you guys met me I forgot about that yeah, and we saw, hang on, who's this cat going all around surfing, good looking, getting all this engagement? <laughs> we're like, let's slide into them DMs and give you this product. Yeah, so Locke yeah. and I, had we had a couple of cracks at doing some different things before. We'd done a slides business, we'd had a social media business, we had a content business. So we'd know we'd, we'd work well together before doing that. But one of the key things that we needed to, uh, we one of our key learnings from the stuff that we'd done previously was the importance of building brand and awareness for what you're doing. So for us, we started community, brand, building, community, building, building yeah. a brand and community. Like you can't, like it's all well and good to have a product or whatever, but if you don't have people who care, care or you don't <laughs> like, you don't help them by providing value, like what's the point of even doing things? So for us, Absolutely. we started the Funny Business Podcast with, you, I know lots of people have heaps of different platforms. Maybe people were more familiar when they obviously with like the Instagrams and the TikToks of the world. But for us and our backgrounds, what we we're trying to do, that didn't make sense. We were trying to talk to people who were, trying to take their careers seriously. So for us, we launched a business podcast, which was so, sort of loosely business culture. I think what was the first thing? Funny business makes a good... Is no, a bit of a, two corporate misfits navigating their way through business and life. That was our first tagline. And people liked it, but I didn't really feel that corporate because I literally, I was in there for like, Eight months, and I was like, and <laughs> it wasn't really corporate. Bro. You went to one meeting, <laughs> yeah, bro. I went to one meeting. We played lots of ping pong, so I'm like, he never worked in a fucking. I worked in an <laughs> office when I worked. Oh, this is the best. Talk about the epitome of corporate. I worked at Telstra, and people hated their life there so much that one day I went into you the I went into the cubicle to go and hide and go on my phone like I would do like 25 <laughs> times a day. And I walked into the toilets, and there was a human shit on the floor. And for me, that was like. I can't be at this place and be happy if I know that the people you can't around, even hide. <laughs> I'm trying to hide, and the people are so unhappy they're shitting on the floor. You know, that's that so. Was, that's why we started the pod. That's why we started the pod. <laughs> funny business to show people that the, 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 the right now in the world we live in, in a digital economy with the amount of possibilities that are out there, you can do anything you want by creating and get the information accessible. You don't need uni degrees. You can learn by like YouTube. You can learn by, through conversations. You can learn through podcasts, audio books. You can read fucking eBooks. You can like absorb knowledge out there in a way that helps you start anything you possibly want. That, that option is out there for people. And I think that as a kid growing up before the internet took over and the way that it is, we grew up like without fucking smartphones, no color screens and like playing outside and stuff. For the next generation coming through, you don't have to fit into the structure that society says you have to do. You can create any career pathway you want. So for us, our content with the funny business is about trying to highlight interesting people doing interesting things and then fit in a bit of us talking shit and make people feel like we're not jamming down uh, information at their throats all day and make them have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, your guys' banter is so classic. Make sure if you are listening right now, I'll leave it in the show notes. The boys actually write my show notes, so they'll put it in the show notes. You get every single <laughs> one of their podcasts. No, but um, make sure you go check out their Funny Business podcast because it is hilarious, informative, and, yeah, a lot of fun. But let's talk about how you guys – yeah, obviously you met me through the OB thing, but then how did you discover what I was doing with the Good Humor Factory? kind of interests me because now, obviously, right. we've collaborated even further. Because you're everywhere. We saw you on Instagram. We're going, this bloke's just – it's just something about you. You know, when we had you on the pod and we asked you to come on the pod early doors, we were like, 
after meeting you, you know when you just catch a vibe from someone you're like yeah they've just it's it's i don't know it's hard to describe it's, it's words. We, i'm we butchering had, that we had the we had you on the pod early doors so it was early in 2020 and we stayed in touch and followed along with what you're doing with the good human factory and for us like we want to be very particular about the type of content that we help produce and put out in the world and we love the message that you, you're putting out there we love the movement that you're creating and the community uh, you're i think building, that, yeah. i think that right now there's a lot of really average information out there in the mental health space and something that we talk a lot about where they they focus on the sad stuff and they focus on living in like the oh I'm knowing what my feeling is and oh my god i'm feeling a bit sad whatever whereas i like that you're more action-based and you're about helping people uh understand what they're like you, you obviously got your your one percent club and uh sending in your gratitude but helping people take action and create a better life and i think that why that resonates so well with what we're doing is because it's the same sort of, we talk about values lining up and I feel like that's where we, we really line up with yourself, mate. Yeah, and I see that. It's so cool with you guys. It's the same thing. Like what I'm trying to do with mental health, you're trying to do with business. You're trying to make it fun, accessible and make people think about stuff differently and have a curious mind. And that's like one of my biggest values is curiosity. And I can see you guys do it every single day with your business stuff, like your Unlikely Investors podcast. It's like, we're trying to make people think differently. And that's why I feel like we work so well together. Let's um yeah go into a little bit more about your podcast. What are the couple of different podcasts you guys have, and what sort of value do you feel like they add? Oh yeah, it's good. Well, to be honest, at the start when we first started, we were just doing guest episodes and we were sort of scrambling to see like, a would anyone want to come on, and how consistently we could get guests because we were just like, yeah, whatever. We we were lucky we had some good friends like Nick Pulses at first. We butchered that one. He got ten minutes, but you know, <laughs> what can we? And we haven't asked him back on yet. Have it's we? an absolute shock. That's pretty if you, rude. If you go it? back and like, I think one of the cool things episode about, two was good though. If you yeah, if you think about our podcast and how we've built, like we didn't come with an audience. Like neither of us had. We didn't really. We didn't even want to do Instagram. You like, know what? He didn't have he didn't have Instagram back in 2010, 11 when it was just taken off. You would have had like a hundred thousand yeah, followers. I had no social profiles when I was playing like good sports move. and shit. Good I had move. nothing. So like for us, you thought he was the Johnny depth of the afl huh? <laughs> i guess but like in terms of how we've built it and what we're, we're loving um being working with, with your pod coop is we think we take a different approach to helping like organic growth of content so for us we build our subscriber base where no one no one should care what us couple of knuckleheads has to say like on linkedin we were nobody's nothings with no audience no awareness in fucking shit mediocre jobs and we built it through showing up every day since today i think we've released 426 pods over the last two years we did a stat that was like something like 7,800 hours of content. So for us, wow. we just went out and there. And we still think that's not enough. We went out there <laughs> with the, the thing is that no one knows who we are. We don't have any reach in what we're doing. We're going to put as much content out there and we're just going to keep having a crack. And if like a lighthouse, if people like what we're saying, they're going to share it. And they're going to attract the right type of people. And that's how we've sort of grown to date. So I feel like- And it what, feels kind of bulletproof when you just do it. So like we've made so many mistakes with what we've done uh, and you can go back and look at it all, which I think is the cool part because we don't want to just show all the fucking, oh yeah, here's the finished product and that. Some posts and stuff, some pods we've done, we've asked shit things or we've done shit like, posts about things and marketing it. And then we're like, but you just learn. And I think like, that's the whole point of the pod. Like if you look back, you not only can you listen to what's going on, but you can see it, you know, you can see how we've done it. Well, people resonate with authenticity. And I think that's why I really like, like your 1% pod coop. I really like that you're, you've brought that in and it's helping provide another opportunity for your community to engage and, and be feel like a part of something. And I feel like that rawness of bringing people in, like, for example, we have a, a segment on Fridays called hot or not where we ask people where we literally just have, we go through 10 topics. We're just we say, lazy. Just whether it's hot or not. You come on, <laughs> we, you chat on with, you have one, you know, maybe like four weeks ago with us for that mm. segment. But for us, that's about like community engagement. So yeah, making people feel like they have a say in the type of content. Cause we really are like podcasts for our community. And I, I feel like your introduction of the 1% pod and how you're doing that. I feel like you must have had some great feedback. About that's how the that's cool going. shit. That's and the cool who, and shit. And whose idea was that, Rob? <laughs> what was that, I don't want to say it's my idea. No, no, but absolutely not. not. But no. It's actually it's nothing to do with me, mate. It's your no, idea. No. It's your yeah. one that already had it created. You're the one that's already done no, all this it, work to build this. That's something like it's providing so much value to so many people, mate. We know people that in our circles that had no idea that you're even a fucking pro surfer. They're in there playing it. You know, I feel like that's yeah. that's cool. That's man. fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like the reception I get now, I get way more people stop me in the street and around saying like oh you're that guy's got that podcast then i do no one get no one even knows i'm a surfer anymore it's like i'm still competing i'm still ranking in the top 100 surfers on the planet but i um yeah i'm the podcast and the good human factory guy now which i mean for me is 
way more important. Like you guys said, adding value to communities around us and being part of something more than yourself is so important to me. And that makes me feel so much more connected to my purpose now than, like I said, I was so achievement based growing up. I was always, how am I doing in surf comps? If I'm rated highly, that's what people are going to judge me for. And it was until I realized that there's so much more in life to that. And I think that's why I attach so much to you guys. As much as the pod's grown, it's always been about creating this network. So let's talk about the wellbeing network now because I brought my pod across and I'm sure a lot of people listening today weren't here from the start. That's kind of how podcast growth goes. I was fortnightly podcast. I didn't have the consistency and that's what I've learned a lot from you guys, the importance of showing up, the importance of being consistent. And that's where the 1% pod, like you said, I already had the community but you guys gave me the advice to be like, hey, why don't you bring an extra little pot in? We'll create a space to bring some light to that community. And it's been so well received. The 1% pod gets more listens now than my guest episodes, which blew me away. But some for some reason, people like listening to me talk, but also like listening to the, inspe- the special people that are part of the 1% podcast. So let's talk a little bit about the Wellbeing Network and what the vision is with the Wellbeing Network. You want to go? Oh, look, mate, to be honest, when, when we first started all of this, we didn't never really had this grand master plan of doing it like this and do it like we had sort of rough skeleton ideas and we sort of adapted throughout with what we were doing. And I think when we first started meeting interesting people like, oh, my God, they, they can add so much more value, you know, and, and, and different sort of touch points. And we've got this opportunity now where we know how to do this thing. Let's just make it happen. So for us, it's all about the creative freedom and, and the and the value adding and and listening to the feedback of the community what do they actually want you know what are they actually because i i think in terms of podcasting this is just people think it's late it's still very very early oh, it's you one, know one of the things that we've learned more like than NFTs. Anything, we're so like we're like five years behind the uk in in terms of podcasting as a medium for like community growth here and like how powerful that is and you mentioned mainstream media earlier coop like that's dying the trust that people have about like wanting to read it people want to go and find interesting news sources where it's not attached to any hidden agendas it's not funded by something so they can't talk about whatever they just give you the real shit and mm. for us like what we're doing with our network obviously um we've, we've, we're working with yourself we, we work with people like um australian olympian peter bowl for his podcast in my spikes uh we've done another one with uh, music photographer michelle grace hunter mm. uh we've got a few other yeah, series with some other talent that we're bringing on this year our game plan is to really have a crack and put some like boost the number of pods that we're on our label, but also working to make sure that the stuff that we're putting out there fits our values. And it's actually content that's providing value to the world, not adding to the noise and clickbait. And, but there's so much, to be honest, in my personal opinion, there's so much boring shit out there. There's so much room to be creative and, and think of new ideas and, and get real funky with stuff. So for me personally, that's the creative sort of freedom and thing that's like gets me out of bed that I'm like, I can literally just think of shit make it make it happen like that that for me is just like oh my god this is the best thing ever poppy syndrome people feel like if you have a crack and you do something it's that real like tear people down type vibe but like Mm. for us we want to help people focus on that we don't want to focus on that that's bullshit we just want to help people put really interesting shit out in the world and we know it's going to provide meeting and help people or whether it makes them be better have fun or be better do good have fun should know my own fucking value (laughs) stuff like yeah yeah you're right now one thing i want to touch on with you guys because you guys are so good at it and I think it comes a lot from that mindset of not trying to be in competition with everyone. There's so much room for everybody to succeed. And you guys obviously see that. And a lot of people don't, but one thing I want to touch on with you guys is the power of networking and the importance of not leveraging networks, but the power of adding value to your network and then trying to get value back from your network. What's been your guys experience with that? How do you build a network and how do you add value to the people around you? Uh, I think for me, we, we built a lot of our network initially through LinkedIn and then obviously you meet people and you catch up and all that sort of stuff. So for us, the initial stages was LinkedIn and, and obviously the catch-ups like that. But I just think no real agendas or intention. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to talk to people on a human level. So if yeah. I look at someone's profile, I come across someone, I, I want to make them laugh. I want it to be, you know, I want it to be a fun interaction. I don't want it to be a stiff like, hey, great. You know, like you're yeah. doing cool things. Like everyone's transactional. Like, yeah and it's like hang on like i just want to be friends and i don't know i I think if you're trying to build a relationship where people i think that people try and like monetize or like sell Mm. too quickly for us like we did two years of free content putting out nearly five pods a week where we were just turning up giving people content for nothing and to the point where they're going oh you have to pay for some of this stuff there you're like yeah bro like we don't 
I'm giving you spending hours of my life helping you. And I yeah. feel like you got to kiss them before you fuck them. Yeah. In a nice way. <laughs> you know, like if you've got, but in the nicest way possible, if you're Absolutely. starting this now, you Gary know, I, want start a, I want to start a business, but I don't have a profile. I've got no audience. I've got whatever. Then, well, that's bad luck for you that you might have to do some more freebies yeah. for an extended period of time. And so that's you your do, situation. That's your situation. Don't be bitter. You don't know? be bitter. Yeah, don't yeah. try and change anything different. But don't people, be bitter, you have be to better. understand where you're at. And for us, we understand we had no audience. No very self-aware. We're rubbing very the sticks self, together. Very self-aware. And to, to Locke's credit in terms of networking, one thing that I think is really everyone, because we're in this world where you can like click a button, get popcorn delivered in a drone. So you think it's like everything's like immediate. Whereas Locke has nearly 28,000 or some shit like that. 25,000. a bit of mail on that. That's link, good. LinkedIn yeah. connections. And every time he connects with someone, he personally messages them all of them. So if you're ever sitting with him in his house and you hear his notifications go off, he might have like a hundred conversations going on at once. You can't scale shit like that. That is actual, you're in there taking oh. the time to chat to people. That's how you build network. You know? You're that annoying guy who sends a friend request and goes, hey, mate, I'm Locke. I'd love to connect with you. Tell me more about yourself. I get them all the time and I'm like, no, oh, no, no, no. Nah, I'll tell you more about joking. me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my service in the first message. Huh? Yeah. Nah, you need, do you need podcast editing? Do you need this done? What can I do for you? <laughs> right? And that's the thing. So many people are not playing the long game, but people are give once and expect straight away. Whereas I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast realizes like I haven't plugged sponsor since a year and a half ago where I did it once with one sponsor. Like this has been all just authentic. You guys helping grow it, trying to just build as much giving as possible. And then down the track. Yeah. Once we grow the audience then people are going to trust what I want to sell because I'll never work with a brand that isn't authentic that I wouldn't want to sell to that. I wouldn't use the product. I'm never going to sell something like that. And you've got to build that audience first. The people who are in your community and listening to your shit. You're adding value. You're not going to throw yeah. crap in front of them just for Absolutely. the sake of the thing. That's how you lose them. That's how you lose your community. Yeah, but that's exactly. what people don't understand. You know, you're doing it the hard way where you've made it a call to do this. But I'm telling you, the way you're building, the way the pod's growing, the way the 1% club's growing, everything you're doing is just, it's not many people get to grow it in the way that you're doing, which is longevity. It's sustainable. It's a proper brand. It's credibility. And it's trust. It's not a hit and run. You know, you see so many mm. people, they might look for the cash grabs and go, Oh, cause I've got an audience. I can go start this. But what you see is, yeah, they might get the numbers at the start, but it slowly gets, starts to drop off. You need that exactly. consistency and you really need to be in it for the long haul. If you're going to do it, you know, well, that's my thing. Mine's like, I love the Gary V thing of like, just keep adding value, keep adding value. And then eventually once you've built the trust, then say to them like, oh, now I've got something that you guys trust me. Like, here's something that I want to add value to you that might cost something. And then they're willing to get involved. And a lot of people, and even my mindset a couple of years back was like, all right, how am I going to get paid for this? I need to survive. But I'm like, all right, I'll work out another way to make my money. I'll use this avenue to help as many people as possible. Because at the end of the day, that's my biggest value is how can I help as many people as possible from the learnings that I've had over my life and share that knowledge with people. And if people like it, epic. And it's obviously shown that people are really attaching to it. And people want to support you. Like I was freaking out. I remember in the first six months, some guys like, can, can I give you money? Like, I feel like you're giving us <laughs> yeah, that. And I was like, I... no, man. No, yeah. I sent him my bank account. Yeah. Yeah. People hit us up and go, can we give you money? And I was like, like, in my head, I was like, what? Like, oh, this I is need crazy. money. Yeah, give yeah. me money. Yeah. But it's crazy. I'm like, for someone to think that they got that much value out of it, for me, that's like, kicking 10 goals you know it's like far out if you can do something like that where you can affect someone that's when it switched in my head where i was like holy shit this is much bigger than us like we're we're really helping people and mm. you don't want to sound like a wanker because it's you know what you do and, and it affects people but it was a real moment where you're like you have to sort of recognize that and go well it's a responsibility now you know it's, it's, the, it's the opportunity to be a purpose-driven business and i think that that's we talk about being like with the mental health and your own personal situations i think that one of the things that when you look at like the whole, the rise of mental health issues and the problems that people have, I think it's a lot of it comes from, you spend a lot of time at work because you need to make money to live. Mm. And if you haven't made any decisions and you're in a job you hate and a career pathway that you hate and all that sort of stuff, I don't think that people take enough ownership of their own lives to go and put themselves in a better position or they don't want to take the time and the effort and do the hard work it takes to transition and create a new pathway. So for us, it was doing a pod for two years for nothing. But now it's created this, this business that we now employ close to 10 people. We work with some crazy companies like mm. um, Australia Post and Moolah. We've done content series with Sharesies. Like we've created that through, like I'm not someone I would, when I played sports, I was someone who'd happily just turn up on game day and fuck training. You know what I mean? But this, you can't skip different stuff. But now <laughs> it's creating a pathway mm. for us that, we know that we can help others follow that same lead. So it's like, as soon as you see anyone sort of kick goals and they go, they're so passionate and energetic about it afterwards. Cause they're like, 
I can show you too. You know, like I've, I've just done, I've seen this thing, like, let me help you. you yeah. What, what advice do you have for someone? I know you guys are time conscious right now. I'm going to ask you two more questions, but the first one is what advice do you have for someone who is in that bit of a rut, who wants to break out of it and maybe try and find their why and create something around their why? How would you guys give advice to, for someone to find that? I reckon you got to try things. I think taking mm-hmm. like inspiration from Locke's journey is like he's it's some of the jobs you didn't talk about. You worked at a float tank. You're an experienced coordinator. Or what was that? <laughs> you know, like, whatever wanky title I wanted. But yeah, uh, like he's do try different things. Like to yeah. figure out what you don't want. For me, like I was never like someone as a kid and like I saw an airplane and was like I want to be a pilot. You know, but I I like bands and musicians. I like athletes, but also now I'm like business owners crazy like they're the rock stars to me you know so Mm, for me i'm constantly always changing my mind and i'm liking different things all the time so i just think it's just putting yourself out there just making the late i know it's tough and like all the best things that have happened to me have been just big moments where i've just said stuff it i'm just going to go with how i feel yeah and it's and it's worked out i don't know that could sound reckless but I don't know. I'm on the flip side of that. I think one of the other things that I would add to that is you can do what Locke did was I planned my, when I was going to quit my job to start Wellbeing Network and go in full time back at the end of 2020, I'd planned it for like three months. I knew I was going to, the day I was going to quit, when I was going to quit it. And then come that morning, I was like, yeah, today's the day Locke. And he goes, all right. And he called up his boss and quit his job before I got to quit mine (laughs) on the day. He decided that day he was going to quit and we're going to start it and we're going to go all in. But I think that my advice there is everyone's in your own scenarios. And if you've got a wife and kids or you've got a mortgage and shit, you might not be able to be that person that can just quit your job and go start something. You might have to start it as a side hustle and do it after hours and find that time where you're juggling that life. But if you really want to achieve something and make that new life happen, then take the time. Life is mm-hmm. life goes on for a while. And if you're stuck at that shit job all the way up until you're 60, you're going to be looking back going, fuck, I wish I had done a few more fun things in my life. Yeah, I've done yeah. a few more things I'm interested in. Well, even if you're 50 and you're doing a job and you're like, fuck, I've done 50 years of this. What's in a six months training up to do something else to get the last part of your life doing something that, like, you, it's never too late, you know? Yeah, I love that. It's such an important one. Like a new journey always starts with the first step and so many people aren't willing to take that first step. And yeah, hopefully some people today have been inspired by your guys' journey. Your enthusiasm that you talk about, what you guys have both achieved is so infectious. I like love every time we have a meeting, like getting to just chat and it feels like everything just gets faster and we get louder the whole way through the meeting. It's it's good fun. And I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast can hear all about it. I'm really excited for what the future does hold for both Good Humans Podcast, the Wellbeing Network and Funny Business, because I think together we're going to take over the world. I feel like this is absolutely just a start. There's so much more good stuff to come. Oh, before you before you wrap it up, I just want to say, like, we watch you, especially when you're commentating and your pods and everything, man. You like, we do lots of pods and we do lots of things. And to do things solo the way you are and how articulate you are and how much you think about what you're doing, like, it's a credit to you. You're doing a really good job. Like, watch you. You message us saying, I did, yeah, I did. He can he can commentate. You're really really <laughs> you're really really good. I don't man. like giving out too many compliments. He to hates him, so you know. But like, he only does them when we push record, you know. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I mean, mine just comes from. I was telling you before this, my dad not wanting to put out the podcast. I'm like, I don't have time for saying no to stuff if I've put effort into it. I'm like, you know what? Put it out, get the feedback from it. If it's bad, sweet, I'll learn from it. If it's good feedback, epic. I know I'm on the right track. It's like life's this big like fork in the road and as long as you just keep moving forward and not stand in that one spot it's like I just hate getting stuck in the mud I'm like I'm moving too fast forward right now to yeah just say not even say no like I say no to opportunities all the time but it's like as long as you're willing to learn it's like I don't have time to like be not confident with stuff I'm like I've already committed to something that I'm not confident with that it's like you kind of my biggest one that I always talk about is the act of confidence comes before the feeling and like I got told when I was like 16 that I'm shit at storytelling by someone who was really close to me. I was at a dinner, at a um, sponsored dinner, and I tried to tell a story and I got stuffed in the middle of the story. And on the drive home, my team manager was like, mate, no more storytelling, like you shit at it. And now I make a living out of telling stories and commentating. And yeah, like. Funny how it sticks out in your head though. You know, it's like, I just think like everything's hard. No matter what you do, it's fucking hard. Mm. So just choose it. Choose yeah, what do something you. hard that you love doing, not something yeah. hard that like, you hate doing. Like fuck, digging holes was shit for years. Whereas now I'm like, yeah. Well, if you I'm, didn't, if you didn't yeah. take the leap and go into commentary and do all the other stuff, you would never like. I imagine the first time, you know, you get an opportunity, like, oh shit, that's great, but like, fuck, mm. I'm on TV or this is there's so many people watching and like, you just have to do it. And I'm sure it wasn't 
the perfect thing, but you once you do it the second time, you do it the third time, and yeah. you just put yourself out there. You know, you get, you get better at your craft. Yeah, you learn, you progress. Absolutely. Like go back and listen to any of my first podcasts. Like now, I literally first take everything, and if it's shit the first take, I put it out anyway because I don't have time to do it again. Well, for uh, those who like it, you know, do you like yeah. Action Bronson? I I'm not big on action. I mean, I know who he is, but I don't listen to much of his I, stuff. In terms of like just putting things out there, he he is like- Inspiration. He's an inspiration. People like, he put a rap album out where he fucked up the verse in the thing and he kept it going and just dropped it one take. So he went in and recorded a studio, <laughs> like into the recording studio, did a whole Spend album. A on the studio. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, I feel like putting things out there, like people, uh, the, the concept we like to talk about is like done, not perfect. You can sit mm. on something for ages, but in a world it's a tech, that- It's a tech it's mindset. A, it's a tech yeah. mindset in a world where it's everything's moving at such a crazy pace. You don't have the opportunity to make things perfect. You just done, not perfect. You got to get it out the door. You learn- get out, you get the Make the next one a little bit better. Moving. Yeah, you make the next one better. Like if you're waiting for the first one to be perfect, it gives you no room for the second one to be better. It's like, anyway, the last question that everyone who listens and you guys have- listen to a couple podcasts. I'm going to ask you individually. So you guys can pick who goes first. That way the other person is going to get it put on the spot and it's going to be harder to answer. What does being a good human mean to, let's start with Locke. What, what's that? Sorry. What does being a good human mean to, I don't being even know a your good guys' human... last names to Locke. <laughs> <laughs> I think being a good human. Locke Bradford. I do know your last Bradford. Name. Yeah. You know, it's very strong, very tough. Very strong yeah. name. Very strong. Yeah. Good human. I just think it's been honest. You know, I, I just think like it is, it's, it's, you can't be so you can't be happy all the time you know but you can get over things quicker and you can be self-aware and, and move on but I think being a good human is just feeling all the feelings and that's what experience and what being wise is in my head it's like I want to go through and feel all the different emotions that you can like a joy you know loneliness all that shit that you, you're gifted with as a human so being a good human is, to me is just yeah that love you? that that's a good answer all right. uh, Rob. Rob Hicks. me it's about uh being present i think that one of the things that i really struggle with is something that can get inside my own head and my version of being a good human is making sure i'm there for the people that that need me and i care about so friends and family i don't have a huge circle i keep it that way because i think that i don't have the way i like to give to people if they're in my like my realm house i'll give everything i'll give you all the trust i'll do everything right by you that's how i want to be and i think that in terms of being a good human it's around having empathy it's about having understanding it's about going showing care it's about helping it's about like i don't know just being that person that you can trust and rely on and you like you're there for people i think that's a, yeah. that's a big thing and that's something that he that you're really good at oh, you are you are the, it's, a, it's a good isn't it I like no, it. I, I love that you open with the idea of being present and being aware of that because so many people are going through life without that awareness and empathy and being kind to those around them is such an important thing and so many people just are so unaware because they're so in their own mind and so set on their own path. And it is so important to realize that we're put on this earth to connect and have connections with people around us. Like that's been human history. Whereas now because of this individually individualized world that we're getting sold, it makes it a lot harder to have that. And that's why I think you guys are such great humans because it is all about trying to do for others, trying to connect people and connect good people together. And I feel like that's why we've been sort of connected through the universe and through our endeavors and yeah, exciting times ahead, I believe. I love that, man. Like, it's like, there was a thing at my old work when I was doing the catering at the Park Royal. And it's like, the thing that just I always remember is like, choose your attitude. Like I'd come in and I might have had a shit morning and it's like, the people who I'm serving don't give a shit. You know, like, why would I bring them my problems? Like, go there, do, like, you know, bring, bring the right attitude, you know, like mm. go into meetings high energy. Like, don't be a drainer on people, you know, like. Yeah, don't project. You yeah. Know, like being a good human, I feel like in terms of self-awareness aspect, I feel like a lot of people, because you don't have the self-awareness or able to regulate how you're actually acting, you don't realize the impact that it has on those around mm -hmm. you. So when we're doing stuff like what we're doing today is we make a conscious effort to make sure that if we're going out to bring something, we, we are going to bring the energy. We are going to bring our best self. We want to make it the best thing. Turn yeah. up and have a crack because if we're doing it, we're here. We may as well not just like... Actually, we came in and we're like, oh, yeah, hey, Coop, yeah, it's been a bit of a slow day there, you know, like a bit tired hey, today. Oh, thanks for a, asking us, but yeah, a bit of a drainer, you know? <laughs> Mate, I've had a huge day. It's like we're recording this at five o'clock on Wednesday night. I've got to finish editing this. Today I've commentated like 15 heats and surfed the heat in the surf comp. But, I mean, when you're doing stuff that you love, the energy comes. So I guess that's gonna probably... Are you going to the pod when you, when you win this event and win the next couple and you're in the Challenger Series later in the year? Does that mean you just... 
Everything uh, else goes out the window. Fuck it. I'm back on the. I'm. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck no. I told you guys before this part. I'm already considering if I'm gonna do it, even because I'm so passionate about the other shit that I'm doing. Because yeah, I feel like I'm aligning a lot more to my purpose with being a professional athlete. For and you know this, it's a very selfish thing. Um, if you wrong with being good, mate. You know, I don't you inspire lots of. No, no, but I'm like, yeah, you can inspire lots of people, but inspiring someone because I'm good at a sport didn't feel like I was inspiring them inspiring because I'm sharing my knowledge and being authentic and being vulnerable and giving my all rather than just doing my best at something and people being like, fuck how good is this guy? That to me, now that I'm doing that is so much more aligned with understanding that idea of values. It's like, Oh, I can only, if I achieve goals, then yeah, I'm inspiring people. But if I don't, no one gives a fuck. So now I'm like, Hey, how can I make sure people are like getting value out of everything I do. And that's where I'm at right now in life. But yeah, I reckon you can't, you can't like throw to the side things that you're also good at. I've, I've listened to you commentate. I understand how deeply interested you are in surfing and like the competitive nature behind it. If you like it, just because you've got other good stuff you're going on, doesn't mean I'm you don't not, have to uh, do the good stuff that you're good at. And I feel oh, like absolutely. that's one thing that from a learning perspective, like Coop, people don't get to be good at lots of different things. And the fact that you are, you should wear that like a badge of honor. And the fact that you've got this other good stuff going I reckon it's just let the community rally behind you, let the 1% club go fucking let's ride this bad boy straight to pipeline, you know? Yeah, <laughs> let's let's buy heaps of merch so Cooper doesn't have to find a sponsor and we can go and get him on the 100%. tour. But, um, yeah, nah, man. Nah, I think that, like you said, the community I've built that you guys are helping foster has been incredible. I'm very grateful for everyone listening to this pod right now. If you've made it all the, end, all the way to the end, it's been great to have my first ever double guest episode. So I'll leave all the stuff in double guests, two guests at once. I haven't done that before. So Robin Locke from Funny Business from the Wellbeing Network. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember when we first done our double and everyone was just talking over everyone and we're like, are we even going to release this? <laughs> nah. But uh, no, thanks for having us on, man. Appreciate it. Um, I hope the old man's uh, chat comes out because it's a banger. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And can't wait to see the community thrive. Yeah, absolutely, boys. So thanks for coming on. Make sure you guys check out the boys. Obviously, I'll leave everything in the show notes. Their podcast is hilarious, informative, and yeah, really good times. So yeah, thanks heaps for jumping on. Robin Log from Funny Business and the Wellbeing Network. Thanks for having us, mate. You are the man. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.